Well, as, as I said earlier, if you weren't here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. I want to welcome uh, those of you joining us on video as well. Thanks for tuning in. If you're on Facebook Live or our Live Church online platform, click the share button. It's a great way to let other people know what God's doing. You've been doing a great job at that, uh, so thanks for tuning in tonight. We are continuing. Uh, it's our last Sunday, actually, in our Confessions of a Pastor sermon series. And confession number four tonight is this. Uh, that while I would love to preach every Sunday, it's not possible for me to do that, and I'm not preaching tonight. That's confession number four. Uh, but we have a great, uh, a great pastor here to bring God's word uh, to you. Every November, we sit down as a team and we plan out the preaching calendar for the year, and that includes some strategic Sundays uh, where you get to hear from somebody who is not me, and where I get a chance to be fed as well, to work uh, on the church, not just in the church. And that's what I've got to do this week, not preparing for a message today. And I want to I want to be uh, uh, preaching for a long time, not just one time. And so because of that, we have to build in Sundays like this. And you're going to be blessed tonight because we have a very special guest. If you don't know, we're a part of a denomination here at Element called the Evangelical Church of North America. That denomination uh, is nationwide, but we have seven conferences. So we're a part of the Western Conference, which has about 30 churches in it in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. And tonight, uh, our conference superintendent from the Western Conference is here to bring God's word to you. Uh, he is also the pastor, so he's not only leading 30 churches, but he's the senior pastor of Faith Evangelical Church in Billings, a large church in Billings. His job is astronomical. I don't know how he does it. You should be praying for him on a daily basis. It is absolutely amazing. He loves our church. He loves you. It's his first time here on a Sunday. And so would you please give a great Element Church welcome to Pastor Steve Strutz. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. I, uh, I do like this church. I've spent the day with you guys, and last night had a meeting, and really some good people here. Most of them. Most of them. No, a great group of people, great uh, volunteers. I'm really impressed with that. Uh, great worship team. That was really, really good. And, and there's, a, there's a gal back there playing the drums. She's good. Natalie. Very good. Very good. I really appreciate watching her beat those drums. You know, I've always wanted to be on our worship team at Faith E, and hey, they've never let me. So I always volunteer, but they won't let me. I'm not sure why. I want to play the drums, but evidently I'm not gifted for that. But really glad to be here. But we should pray before we begin. All right. So Father, thanks for letting us express our praise to you. Thank you for uh, just being the great I am. That was a powerful song. Um, that's who you are, and we have the privilege of walking with you through this life as your children. And you cover us not only in this life, but the life to come. Pretty cool deal. You've blessed us amazingly. So I pray that what we do tonight, and as far as your word, I pray that we would honor you. And I ask the Holy Spirit to speak each, to each one of us individually inside of our hearts. So watch over our time. We give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Start with a story tonight. I uh, grew up in a little town called Glasgow, Montana. And I, I loved athletics. Loved it. Uh, I, I would, and, and back then, you could you could be in all of the ath athletics, not just be in one for the whole year. I just I just that, that disappoints me in today's age where they just have to focus on one. I got to play football. I got to play basketball. I got to do track. I got to play baseball in the summer. It was wonderful. And I remember when I was a freshman, I was uh, kind of a skinny little guy. I was five foot nine, weighed about 127 pounds, and trying to figure out what I was good at. And went out for track that year. And and tried some different events. I threw the javelin and didn't do too bad at that. I jumped. I was a pretty good jumper. 
But I kind of wanted to run, too. I wanted to be kind of a fast runner, so I went out for, you know, some of the longer-distance ones because I could tell the sprinting, just a little bit slow on that one. So, but we had this one invitational meet there in Glasgow, and all these different schools from all the little towns around the area came in. There was Glendive and Sydney, and they all came rolling in for this invitational, and I was, uh, I ran the JV that particular day, and then I was watching the varsity run the mile. That's Four laps, quarter mile each, not a 1600 like they have today. And it was a kind of a cinder track. It was kind of old school. It was really, really fun. So I was, I was watching the, the varsity runners get ready. And there was this one runner from Mile City, Montana. And I just, in my brain, I go, that guy's going to win it. That guy's going to win it. He, you can just tell. He just had that lean running body. And he also had really long hair. And I kind of wanted really long hair at that time. And he had a medallion that would kind of swing around his neck when he'd run. I thought, man, this guy's cool. And he had really nice shoes, too. So I thought, this guy's going to win it. So they got to the, you know, how they all lined up, shot the starting gun. They took off. And, hey, he, he vaulted out to the lead. First lap, he was ahead by like 25 yards. Second lap, about 30 yards. Third lap, about the same. And they rang the bell for the final lap, and I go, this, this thing is all but over. And I was kind of standing on this side of the track on the infield, and I, I thought, I want to see the finish. I want to see this guy come across the line. So I ran across here, and I started looking back at the final corner to see him roll around because he was so far out in front. Hey, he wasn't there. And, I, and you know, I, I, I'm going, what happened to that guy? Did he stop and get a haircut? What, what, you know, what, what's the deal here? And, and then they finished the race, and he was not in the pack. Some... And then I found out later he'd, he'd kind of quit running. He stopped and hid behind a power pole on that backside. Right when I turned my back to run over to watch the deal, he stopped and hid back over there. Now, I tell that story because it's etched in my brain. Even today, I can just still picture it. And I thought, I don't want to be one of those guys that runs three and a half laps. And especially with regards to the kingdom. I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, kind of starts fast and then just kind of peters out and doesn't finish the race strong for the Lord. And that's what we want to talk about today. And so we're going to put a scripture up there. It's out of Hebrews. And it's uh, the first couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And it talks about a race. And in, in, in a sense, it's kind of a picture of us as followers of Christ. We're on this race. And let me read this and then we'll unpack the verses. And then at the end, I'll share a little something else for you. So Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, you ask the question, what is it therefore? And uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and the perfecter of our faith. What is the word therefore, therefore? Because chapter 11 is what a lot of people call the hall of faith. It talks about all the greats in the Old Testament, people like Abraham and, and Joseph and others who, who walked with God, took him at his word no matter what was going on. It took him at his word and walked with God. They were people of faith. And it's just kind of a whole litany of those people. And it's like, man, look at those. And it says, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of those kind of witnesses, you know, I, I got to believe tonight there's people here that are just getting started in the race and you're, you're starting to run. You're starting to figure this walk with Jesus out and that's, that's a pretty neat thing. Others of you have been running and maybe you got a little distracted and kind of hid behind the pole for a while. You need to get back in the race. Uh, some of you are so discouraged. It's hard to put another foot in front of the other one. You're just tired. It's just tired. Life has been tough and you're just kind of going, is following Jesus really worth it? Well, it says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, like a whole bunch of these people who have walked with Jesus in the past, and I even threw some of the ones that I know, my grandpa and grandma Eller and my grandpa and grandma Struts and my dad who's now in heaven, passed away a little over a year ago, and, 
And, and, and you get the sense that uh, you can look at those and it should inspire you to keep running. These guys did it. These men and women did it. There's even a bunch of no-names in chapter 11 that gave their life to Jesus and uh, followed God even to where it cost them their life. But there's other people that believe this almost gives the picture of running into a stadium and this great cloud of witnesses are in the stands and they're cheering you on. That kind of that fires me up, to be honest with you, thinking about those people going, come on, Steve, keep running. I like that picture. It motivates me. Well, then you go on and it says, yeah, we got this great cloud of witnesses and, and they're cheering us on. And it says, and you're to run the race marked out for you or for us. Run the race marked out for us. Some would say, well, the race is marked out for us. It's called God's word. All you got to do is read God's word and that's what you're supposed to do. And, and I go, yep, I agree with that. But I also believe that it refers to each of us individually and even as churches that God has a specific race for you to run. Yeah, we live within the paradigm of God's word. That's our rule book for running. But I'll tell you what, we're all so different. And every one of us has a little different path that he puts us on to run. And all of us have a little different amount of time here on earth that he gives us to run. So, in fact, I look around this audience and, and there's a lot of difference out here. <laughs> there's a lot of difference. We got men, we got women, we got young, we got old. We've got uh, people who walk with Jesus for a couple of weeks. We've got others who have walked with Jesus for a long time. Uh, we got just all sorts of differences. One of the classes that we do at Faith E that I really enjoy is called the SHAPE class, S-H-A-P-E. And it shows us how we're kind of wired by God. And it helps us understand the, the, the race that he's marked out for us as individuals. The S is for spiritual gifts. All of us have been given a spiritual gift, at least one, that God has given you to, with, that you can use with ease and effectiveness to build up the body of Christ. I hope you know what yours is and I hope you're using it. And some of you have more than one. H, everybody has a heart or a passion, something that just really, it, it just it just grabs your soul whenever you see it. I, I noticed when you talked about the two gals from Nepal, that really grabbed a chord in your hearts. And i got to believe that there's some that just have a passion to see those gals get out of that kind of stuff. And that's really cool. Some of you have a passion to work with children. Some of you have a passion to volunteer and be ushers. And on and on it goes to teach. And so all of us have a passion that we, we have in our, in our heart. And then some of you, have, all of us have different abilities. Some of you can knit, like Jeff's wife knits. I don't knit. I can't knit. Some of you are good at construction. I heard a couple of the guys walking the volunteers talking about using a tape measure, and the one was saying, do you even know how to use one of those things? So apparently one doesn't have that ability, another one does, you know. Uh, and then P, personality. All you have different personalities. Uh, Jeff and I were comparing notes about things that we enjoy, things that kind of drain our battery, and, and probably we're, we're a lot alike in that realm, in some of those realms, a similar personality, and, and, and a lot of you have different personalities as well, and, and hopefully you have a personality. Yeah, that's important. And then, and then experience. Uh, all of you were raised in different situations, and you've had different experiences. Like for me, some of my experiences in athletic have helped shape my ministry and helped shape my life. And so, God takes all those things and weaves them together and puts you on a path marked out for you. That's as an individual. I think you guys as a church, I think God has marked a path out for you. I, uh, Jeff mentioned I watch over a few churches in our conference, and I'll tell you, every church looks a little different. We all have the same mission to make disciples and to make a difference for Jesus and build the kingdom. We all have the same mission, but it looks different. You guys look way different than some of the other churches I work with, and none of them are wrong. They're just different. Because God has given you a path to run on. So keep running that path. Well, the scripture goes on. And it says, run the race marked out for you. And it says, with perseverance. That's 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 that dogged determination. I'm, I'm not going to quit running. I'm going to keep going no matter what. And this race of our faith is not a sprint. And then we kind of stop and that's all we do. This is like not even a marathon. It's like a, 
a lifetime steeplechase. <laughs> I mean, it is tough and it's grueling and there's challenges and there's barriers and we got to keep walking and running through it with Jesus. And, and in my mind, this word perseverance tells me that I run until, hey, I cross the tape. Either I die or the Lord takes me home. Or like you guys were saying, Jesus, till you come. Uh, that's what we run to with perseverance. It's not just a little run here and then we stop for a few years and then we run again. No, we run, we run, we run all the way through the tape. We finish strong. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, inside my heart, I go, I want to be a person that runs, runs well, runs the right course, runs within the rules, runs well and finishes strong to the glory and the fame of a master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So to do that, it makes sense that we would do what it says in the scripture here, to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I don't know, maybe you've seen runners that actually, when they get up to the race and they're getting all set, you know, and they're stretching a little bit. Maybe you've seen runners where they'll put on like muck boots and, and a backpack with a bunch of rocks in it. No, they're, they're stripping down. I mean, down to where, yeah, so they're, they're decent still, but they've got, I mean, they're light and they're in shape and they're going to run. So, man, when we're running with Jesus, why would we be hanging on to things in our life that are distracting us and keeping us away from his best? Why would we allow sin into our life? It just complicates things and entangles us so we can't run well. We are on the race marked out for us by Jesus. We need to clean it up with him. We need to get rid of all those things that distract us. And, and might I add, on the positive sense, we should add into our life those things that truly make us run better. We should add into our lives those things that just keep us going on the race with Jesus. And one of the things it says here is it, it also says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. So we're running, and we're running strong. We've thrown off anything that might hinder us from being all that we can be for Jesus in our life here on earth. And sometimes we get so tired, and we're going, I don't know if I can keep going. It says, man, listen to that cloud of witness. See them in the past. All those people have done it before you. You can do it. You can do it. But then it says, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. And it goes on to say, and it says, for, for the joy who endured the cross, for the joy set before him endured the cross. That was his race marked out for him. He went to the cross. That's incredible. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Man, that man, makes you want to start, start running, doesn't it? <laughs> does me. Folks, I want that for Element Church. I want that for each of you as individuals. I want that for my church back home, Faith E. I want that for me as an individual. I want to get in the race. I want to run well. I want to run strong. I don't want to be hindered by things. I want to hear the cheers of the people of faith that have gone before me. And I want to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And I want to break the tape to his honor and glory. Well, are there some things we could do that actually would help us make that a reality all the time? Maybe, maybe some things that are just real practical. And I want to tell you a story and then give you a, a little picture that might help you in your life. I had a, uh, I have a, I have four kids and all the kids were in various activities. And my second youngest daughter, Bethany, she played on a basketball team and she had a little game up at Custer, Montana. It was about 50 miles from Billings. And so I asked my youngest daughter, Mary, who was about uh, probably 12 or 13 at the time, I said, Mary, hey, you want to go with dad to watch a game? And it was like 20 below zero outside and it was nighttime and and uh, she wasn't too responsive to that. And I said, Mary, I think you're going to go with me. So I got her in the car, and we heading down the highway, drove about six miles. And I'm one of those people when I drive that my eyes are always darting around. I'm always seeing all the game out there. I notice a whole bunch of antelope on your golf course or whatever it was out here. And I just always see that stuff, and I really enjoy it. And people that drive behind me say I'm just a little bit erratic when I drive. And 
checking what I drank before I drove, but but I but I just love to look around, and I also also check my gauges all the time. I'm always darting around looking at my gauges. I'm I'm looking at my mirrors, making sure they're set right. Looking in the rearview mirror, kind of looking down the gauges and all that. So Mary and I are heading for this game, and all the gauges are looking good. Gas is good. Charging the battery is is happening. All good. And then I glanced across the gauges, and all of a sudden one of them's going like this, and I'm going, I don't think that's good. <laughs> And uh, I said, Mary, I said, get out that little manual. We kept driving, got that little manual. She went in the glove box, pulled out the manual. I said, look up oil. She looked up oil, and on there was a part about the oil gauge, the oil gauge on the dashboard. And it said, if you're basically, if that thing, if it's doing this, (laughs) you shouldn't be driving. So we kind of just pulled over to the side. I said, I'm not sure I want to shut this thing down. I want to get it back to town. So I pulled back, and we we went back, uh, back to town. Now, I say that. Because here's, here's the reason I say that is I, I think we need to look at the dashboard of our life constantly. Uh, that Suburban was a good Suburban. Man, its exterior looked good. The interior looked good. The engine was good. Everything was good on it. There was just one little thing that we hadn't paid attention to, and it took that Suburban out. So I, I want to propose to you that you should have like a little dashboard of your life in front of you because you want to run well. You want to run strong. You don't want to be a guy that stops behind the pole on the fourth lap. You don't want to be a suburban that sure looks like it's got potential sitting in a driveway not doing anything because we didn't pay attention to one thing in our life. So I, I put up there a little, a little dashboard for your life, and you can put whatever topics you want in there, areas in your life, but physically, mentally, emotionally, vocationally, spiritually, all those things need to be running well, need to be running well because we want to run well for our Lord. And I think you would agree that each one of those is important on that list that was on the, the screen there just a little bit ago. Each one of those is important, and probably you're saying, but not all equally important, Steve. And, and I, I, I would go with you on that. I, I would agree with you. But I'll tell you what, maybe some are more important, but if any one of those goes out in your life, you're kind of the red suburban sitting in the driveway, if you know what I mean. So how can we ensure as much as it is possible to us to be as physically, mentally, relationally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy in order to accomplish the race that our God has marked out for us? How can we be that physically? You say, oh, it's not that important, Steve. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to, I want to steward my body well, not just so I can fit into certain genes or whatever, but so I can get up in the morning and go, hey, you know what? I got the energy to serve the Lord today. Steward your body well. It takes it to a higher level. Mentally, stay on top of things. Sharpen your mind. Keep it alert. Uh, what, what's important to put into your mind? What are you allowing into your mind? Those are really important things. Maybe God's Word should be a big part of that. Emotionally, man, just keeping yourself uh, uh, cruising along emotionally well. I noticed that uh, a lot of the people in, in Billings this year are facing like some depression. And, and, uh, and a lot of it is, I've been told, is because in the wintertime you don't get out in the sun as much. Vitamin D, little things like that. Just keep you running well for the Lord. And very important, relationally. Man, making sure your relationships are healthy. Healthy. I've got pastors sometimes that, that they've got all their gauges going really well. Man, they know a lot about God's Word. And they can communicate it really well. And they've, they're sharp mentally. And they're fit, fit physically. But you know what? They can't get along with people. They don't do the one another's well. And as a result, they really don't have any ministry right now. Uh, Vocationally, sharpen those skills, those gifts that God has gifted you with. But the most important one is spiritually. Boy, doing those things that just keep yourself just tight with God and relationally well with Him. Solid, faithful, hot on your walk with Him. So you can run the race that God has marked out for you. John 15 talks about how uh, Jesus says, really, there's nothing we can do. 
There's nothing we can do without him. So I'd say that relationship with him is pretty important. I remember when I, when I read that verse back a few years ago, it says, without me, you can do nothing. That was Jesus speaking, and I thought, I don't think he really means nothing. I think there's something we can do. I mean, all of us are pretty, you know, knowledgeable and skilled at certain things. There's something we could do, can't we, for Jesus without him? And I went into the scripture a little bit, dug around a little bit, looked up the Greek word for nothing. I'm not a great Greek scholar, but I looked up the Greek word for nothing, and guess what it meant? Nothing. There isn't anything we can do in his kingdom on the race with him without him. So we walk with him. We stay with him. And uh, spiritually, we've got to stay, stay tight. So I'm a big advocate of what we refer to as spiritual disciplines. And in our church, we call them soul training. And we have a whole big display of different things. I was encouraged to see some of that here. In fact, I found a little, a little, uh, a little deal like this. And it has these scriptures. And every day you can read them. I'm going, that's, that's a smart move. That keeps yourself, that spiritual gauge running well, getting to Word of God. So, hey, there's a lot of different uh, uh, spiritual disciplines a person can do. You can't do them all, but there, there's some great ones out there that I challenge you to keep that gauge going with the Lord. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. That's, a, that's another athletic term there. For physical training is of some value, as we mentioned, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So here's a list of spiritual disciplines. I, can, I encourage you to consider some of those things and keep that spiritual gauge really, really running well. Prayer and Scripture are the first couple, and those are, I think those should just be automatic in our lives. We've got to have a time when we spend time praying to the Lord and listening to Him at a time when we get into His Word and talking to Him, listening and reading and studying and meditating and memorizing. So important to keep yourself that gauge, that spiritual gauge, doing very well. And then there's a whole other list, and we're not, I'm not going to go through all of them, but can't do them all, all the time, but there's some great ones in there that just kind of bring that gauge back to where it's, yeah, I'm running hot again in my relationship with the Lord. We advocate those. We encourage those. Can't do them all, but begin to develop some of those habits, make it a practice in your life. Folks, I don't want you. I don't want me. I don't want your church. I don't want my church to look like the young man that stopped partway through the race. We want to finish strong. We want to finish strong. I don't want you. I don't want this church. I don't want my church. I don't want me. I don't want us to be like the suburban. Gee, that's a good-looking suburban sitting there in the driveway. And that's all let's do is sitting in because we didn't pay attention to one of the gauges in our life and we're not in the race anymore. I'd like to pray at this time a little blessing over you based on Hebrews 12. And then I'm going to talk about something else in the remaining minutes together. But let me share this as a blessing. A blessing is something that somebody kind of says to another person. They kind of speak life into that other person. A blessing is almost like a prayerful, preferred future for those people around you. It's a positive thing. This is what I see for you, and may it be so. So let me give this blessing to you, and may you receive it from me. And if you want to just close your eyes and let it just kind of go into your heart, that's fine. If you want to look at me, that's fine too. May you run. May you run the race. May you run well. May you run the race marked out for you by our Lord. May you run that race with perseverance. May you see the men and women of faith who have gone before you. And may you hear them cheering you on. Keep going. Keep going. May you take out those things in your life that really hinder you. Oh, they're, they're good. They might even be better than some, but they're not the best. May you take those out and put the best things into your life. May you get rid of the sin that so easily entangles. 
May you keep your eyes focused and fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you run into his arms someday, crossing the finish line, and hear the words of our Master and our Savior, Jesus Christ, say, Hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for all the churches that we're connected with. I pray for Pastor Jeff. I pray for all these people. I pray for myself that, hey, we would take this very seriously. And we've only got a short little speck of time here on earth. And help us to make it count for eternity and run the race you've marked out for us and run it well, all to your fame and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take the remaining few minutes here and talk to you a little bit about something else. And hopefully that was an encouraging encouragement to all of you. But I want to talk about one particular segment of your church here at Element Church. And that particular segment is the pastoral staff and uh, who you have as pastors here at the church. Now, I've tried this in all the other services, and usually about the only one here is Jeff. But if you're a pastor at Element Church and your spouse is here, your kids are here, would you stand up? Good, Steve. Good to see you. All right, let's give a hand. These are some really, really cool people. I want to talk about your pastors and spiritual ministry leaders for just a moment. What a fantastic group of people they are. It's been fun getting to know them a little bit better, being around them. And, and God has gifted them and graced them for a particular path uh, for their life as well that they're to run on. And they lead you. They, they teach you. They encourage you and show you what it means to walk with Jesus. So let's talk about their role. Let's talk about their vocation for a moment, their life for just a little little time here at the end of this message. Pastors are the same as you, and yet they're different. <laughs> pastors are the same as you in that things like sometimes we think, well, pastors, no, no bad thing happens to them. Um, if a pastor, as I've mentioned in the, the other service, if a pastor drops their iPhone into some water, guess what happens? I was uh, I have a flip phone, and I kind of do it just to irritate people, and they give me great grief because I have a flip phone. But uh, one day I was flipping my phone open when somebody called me, and it flew out of my hands, and I watched it, and it had this cup of iced tea, and it just went right into the iced tea. And guess what happened to that phone? Hey, miraculously, it popped out of there, dried itself off, and no, it, it was wrecked like when your phone falls in a water puddle. We're, we're no different. If a pastor has feelings... They get crushed sometimes. A pastor feels pain. A pastor gets tired. Pastors sweat. And if they don't shower, guess what? They still smell, just like you guys. (laughs) They're tempted to sin. Sometimes they do. They're susceptible to disease, just like you guys are. They're the same as you. And yet, pastors are different than you. They are not better than you. They're just different. They're uniquely called. They're uniquely gifted by God. And God has a specific path marked out for them, once again, to lead and to teach and to encourage and to show you how to walk with Jesus. I think of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the Whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what God has gifted the church with. Your pastors. It's a calling to lead God's church. To show everybody. To model. To encourage. And they're doing it right now in a culture that is absolutely opposed to all those things. And you can see it. And you understand what I'm talking about. So it makes it no small task. And it makes it extremely challenging. It's, it's, a, it's a challenging vocation. Furthermore, 
There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy him. Now, I'm not a military genius, but I was thinking about this. I thought, man, if I wanted to tear up the things of God, well, probably, probably where I would start is I would do all I could to take out the leaders. I'd do all I could to take out their, their soul, their heart, to get them distracted, to somehow destroy their marriage, to somehow disrupt their family. I would do all I could because you get the leader, you kind of get the church kind of in disarray, and then I could pick off the sheep pretty easy. That's what I would do if I was the enemy. I would mess with the pastors. It's just like you got you got Tom Brady. You know, you take him out, and who are the New England Patriots? You know, there wouldn't be much. So I want to challenge you to not only watch your gauges, but I want to talk about the gauges of your pastors for a moment. Today, I would like to share with you some information and then ask you to champion what we're proposing or what we're bringing to you to table that's going to happen. It's a thing called a sabbatical and a sabbatical is kind of a, a word off of the word sabbath which god tells us we should we should always uh, follow the sabbath a sabbatical is a it, it, it's a time away from the tyranny of the urgent for the leader to renew his spirit to regain perspective and focus and build organizational and leadership capacity for the vision and future challenges that not only the leader but the organizations will face i encourage this church to give Pastor Jeff and his family, a sabbatical. I encouraged Derek to look into it. He did. Then Derek took it to the leadership, and then we passed it on to uh, the membership meeting last night and then to the church today. Our Western Conference has a mission statement, and we envision healthy, life-giving, multiplying, and prevailing churches, and I put in a few years ago, pastors. If you don't have a healthy, life-giving, multiplying, and prevailing pastor, you're not going to have that kind of a church either. So we really started working hard. We wanted to make sure that our pastors were really cared for. The statistics on pastors are quite, uh, it's, they're not very positive, quite negative. Uh, there's been several studies on what's going on in pastors uh, these days. And one that was done back a few years ago by Fuller Institute said that 80% of pastors and families believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. That's not very good. Uh, 70% of pastors constantly fight fight depression. That's not very good either. 50% of pastors feel so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could. And then a couple that got me, 50% of ministers just starting out will not last five years. So the statistics are really pathetic. Now, that was done a few years back, and George Barna just did a recent one, and I went on a webinar the other day and watched it, and, hey, it's getting better. <laughs> but it's still not good, but it's getting better. We're heading the right direction. So we as a conference begin to invest more in our pastors. We thought, man, if we want healthy, life-giving churches, we've got to have healthy, life-giving pastors. So we begin to invest more. We created a board that kind of encourages pastors and their wives and their families. Uh, they set up retreats, pastors' and wives' retreat, and a pastors' wives' retreat. Sometimes we forget about the pastors' wives. There's been situations where we've been able to provide counseling and pay for counseling to help keep marriages together and things like that. And and resources, we bring in some of the best speakers and we give some of the best books. We want our pastors to be healthy, life-giving, multiplying, and prevailing over the long haul because we believe that will help churches become that. So after watching organizations, churches begin to get on board with this. And we've been doing this now for a while. In our conference, about 20 of our pastors have been on sabbaticals over the last six or seven years, which is pretty cool. Several have been on, on two. Usually they go about every seven to ten years. And usually they're from one month to some go even up to six months. The one we're going to give uh, Jeff and his family is three months, June, July, and August. 
But man, what an opportunity and what a great positive thing it's going to be because it's going to give Jeff and the family a chance to renew, uh, to replenish their soul and spirit as they spend time with the Lord and spend time doing some things other than ministering in the church. It's going to be just great for him to pull, pull back. It's going to allow Jeff to retool his skills. He's a very gifted leader, has some great skills, but you know what? Hey, the axe needs sharpening, as, as Ecclesiastes 10 talks about it. Uh, sometimes it just gets dull. And he's got some things planned for his sabbatical that's going to really sharpen his gifts that are very good. And it's going to be a blessing, a relational blessing to Sabrina and the rest of the family. Uh, sometimes we forget about the pastor's wives and the family. Uh, it's, it, it can be a real tough road for them sometimes. I, as a superintendent, I watch into the lives of some of the pastors and their wives in our, in our conference. And I've noticed, and I've noticed in my own life too, if good things happen to me, my wife is doubly blessed. <laughs> If bad things happen to me, and they do happen, where people will say things or do things in the church, and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that happened, and I'll get down discouraged, and it'll break my heart. Well, my wife, it breaks her heart like about twice as much as it does mine, because it bothers her that, her that her husband and, you know, the one she loves is hurting so bad. So sometimes we forget about the pastor's wife. So I'm so excited for Sabrina and the family as well to be a part of this sabbatical that we're going to give Jeff and his family. And it's going to be healthy for you guys as an organization. You might be thinking, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do without Jeff. Well, guess what? You're going to be just fine. <laughs> and that's kind of a shock to the pastor sometimes. <laughs> uh, you're going to be just fine. It does something good for the morale of the church. It strengthens you. You're going to find out that, hey, you know what? If, if something happened to Jeff, we're going to still be okay. Oh, we appreciate him, and it's just going to be a season, but we'll still be okay. When I did my sabbatical back a few years ago, I was gone for three months, and my church did it thrived when I was gone. And even giving was more. And, uh, you know, so when I came back, of course, they were saying, why don't you just stay away, Steve? No, they didn't. But uh, <laughs> it, it'll encourage people to step up and fill the gaps of where uh, Jeff and, and, and his family leave a hole. And it creates a venue to be able to press some people who maybe don't get a chance to speak as often as, as they, maybe they want to, but it'll put them up front, give them a chance to do some things that Jeff has done. And I think it creates a better leadership uh, development program for you guys as well. So really some healthy things for the organization. Why do we give sabbaticals? Those are the main reasons. Sometimes we have to give them for crisis situations. Now, Jeff is not in crisis. He's doing great. He's running well. He could probably keep going without it, but this is going to be a blessing to him. But we like to see these things a part of the DNA of the churches. And Derek and the crew have put together a sabbatical policy, so Jeff will set the pace for others to come along in future years to be able to do this as well. So I think it's really, really healthy every 7 to 10 years to replenish, refocus, rekindle, refine, retool. I'm trying to think of another R-E word for you. but And then you guys set a policy. It's great. Super healthy for the leaders and their families, super healthy for the church. Very wise for both. So as a conference... We came to Element Church and said, we recommend this for you guys. We, we encourage you to send Jeff, and we encourage you to develop a policy, and you have, and you are. Your leadership studied it. They put it together. It's going to happen, June, July, and August. Um, you have a gifted pastor. He's going to be gone for three months, as I mentioned, this summer. And no, you can't contact him, and he's probably not going to contact you. He's going to be gone. He's going to pull away. Uh, from some of the ones that have done this in the past, they tell me, and I experienced this as well, it took 21 days before I woke up and didn't think about the ministry. 21 days, and most of them have said the same thing. The members last night at the meeting are championing this, and I want to challenge you to champion this as well. Let's get behind this family, support them in it. Let's step up. Let's be 
be uh, more than just participants. Let's serve even to a greater capacity during those summer months. Let's give like never before. Let's make this a success. There was even somebody that says, you know, we can be an example to the other churches that this could happen in their church as well. And I'm going, that's the thinking we want. So let's champion this. And so I, uh, I'm just excited for Jeff and the family because you know what? If you don't have healthy life-giving, multiplying, and prevailing pastors, Pastor Jeff, you're not going to have that as a church. And you've got that right now. So let's protect that and let's build upon that. So I'd like to have Jeff, Jeff come up. And let's give him a hand as he come up. And then I want to, I want to pray over him. All right. So, Lord, watch over Jeff. He's a cool guy. And God, you, you, you've uh, wired him pretty uniquely. And this church, I can just tell they really love him and his family. And, and I, I just pray that you will take this sabbatical and multiply it as far as its influence and encouragement in his heart and life. And, man, as they get away and do a little studying and just relaxing and spending time together, I just pray your Holy Spirit would protect them, be all over that time. And and I pray for this church. I pray that uh, you would protect them and move people deep within my, their heart to get get off the bench, so to speak, and get involved and be a person that supports this. I pray that they would pray for this family and be all over that and just support it the best they can. Lord, we, uh, we love you and are so glad we can be on this journey with you, be a part of your kingdom. What an exciting eternal adventure it is. We love you. Thank you. We give this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to pray for Steve as well. Oh, I appreciate that. He's been here serving us all weekend, was here last night at our annual members meeting. He's going back to his church that he loves them as well. And so he's been a blessing to us, and uh, I want to pray for him. And so if you're comfortable, if you would just extend out your hand. You don't have to, but if you'd like to, you can do that. Let's pray for, for Steve. God, I thank you so much for our leader uh, here in our conference, Lord, for Pastor Steve. God, you have obviously gifted him and called him to ministry. Lord, he's been leading Faithy for, for years, decades now, and they are seeing tremendous fruit. And God, I pray that fruit will continue. And Lord, I pray that you give him energy um, to lead his people and to help lead pastors like myself and churches all across our conference. Lord, we have been blessed uh, to be in this conference, in this denomination, with this leader. And we thank you for that. Lord, give him safety all the way back home. Lord, I pray that there be fruit from his church this weekend, allowing him to come serve us. Uh, God, we give you praise in Jesus.